Hello, my name is Todd Starnes. I have the privilege to be the pastor of Odessa First Assembly. You can find more about us in our church at odessafirst.com. Our current series is called Church and Culture. We are focusing on the first few chapters of the book of Daniel. Many are asking, how do I live faithful to the Lord in the midst of a corrupt culture? We can live godly lives with great impact on our culture, and Daniel shows us how. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Daniel. We are in part three of, uh, of our series, Church and Culture. And just to remind you that uh, there are extra notebooks now. We ran out last week, so remember the cost of those is $5. It just helps us to kind of keep up on that. And so if you don't have one, you want one to keep your notes in. The notebooks are on the information desk. And every week out on the information desk are the notes that go in there. And also in there is our Bible reading for 2022. We have it in a full-page form and also in a form that will fit inside of your notebook. And so I encourage you to do that and um, join us together as we read through the Word of God in 2022. And uh, we're going to be looking at Daniel, specifically Daniel chapter 2 this morning. I want to pray before we get started. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for your presence. Lord, we thank you for your work and uh, Lord, I pray for our veterans, Lord, I served. I know many, many are, are even watching online this morning. Lord, I just pray your blessing upon them. Lord, surround them. Um, and I, I, I just ask for blessing, just to, the windows of heaven to be opened up, Lord, for the sacrifice that they had given. And Lord, those serving even currently now, Lord, I pray your hand of protection on them and blessing. I pray today our hearts will be open, ready to receive your word. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So kind of just really quickly to, to catch us up is when we're looking at, we spent two weeks in Daniel chapter 1, and we looked at how Daniel really um, and, and the other three Hebrew children were caught up in the backwash of Israel's, of God's judgment against Israel. And God is using Babylon and, the, and King Nebuchadnezzar to carry out this judgment because they um, were unfaithful to the Lord. If you want to read a matter, if you want to read a different perspective on uh, what's happening here, you can read the book of Jeremiah. Especially the later chapters really get very descriptive. About starting about chapter twenty-seven, twenty-eight, you'll read a lot about uh, Babylon and what's happening to the um, children of Israel, and it'll give you a different perspective, but. Just to remind you that Daniel at this time when he was taken into captivity, he was probably 17, 18 years old is what most uh, theologians believe is that he was a teenager. And to give some perspective, uh, Daniel at the time, many of you maybe remember, and we'll, we're going to get to that in a couple of weeks, but when Daniel was thrown in the lion's den, he was roughly about 70 years old. And so that gives perspective of what's going on with Daniel's life in the captivity. So Daniel's taken into captivity. He's brought into this godless, corrupt culture of Babylon. Uh, seemingly one of the, uh, you know, Daniel, is, uh, what, what I think is even though that maybe as a 17, 18 year old, he may have been taking back and, and processed lots of feelings, but everything scripture tells us is that he was a godly man even at that age, by the, how the book of Daniel reads. And, um, and, and that's one of the things I want to draw from, is here's Daniel taken in this 
very corrupt, very um, godless society. Yet Daniel, in I guess my vernacular, he really stuck to his guns. I mean, he didn't, he didn't go up and down in a roller coaster. He didn't go cold or lukewarm. I mean, Daniel stood for the things of the Lord. And we're going to see that more and more and more. And I think when we read through the book of Daniel, especially these first six chapters, that it translates to us today. And one of the things we talked about was from Daniel chapter 1 and verse 2. Uh, this was week 1. And we focused in on... Um, and the Lord gave, Daniel chapter 1 verse 2, and the Lord gave. The Lord caused all of this to happen, yet Daniel's faith did not waver. Because Daniel knew that God was in control of who's in control. And I want to remind us of that, that God is in control of who is in control. God directs the hearts of kings like a river. In the midst of, this, uh, of any cultural chaos last week, we talked about how we are still called to live a life of hope, faith, and power. And if there is a time that the church needs to shine with hope, needs to shine with faith, and needs to shine with power, it's right now. It's right now. And we read in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8, but Daniel resolved, and that was the key part of that, and Daniel resolve that he would not defile himself listen for anyone whether watching online or here in the room today if you are if you have a difficult time living for the lord i'm going to tell you there needs a, a resolve needs to take place really in the depths of your spirit that no matter what happens you are going to serve god we have to make that decision that even when we go back to the site in the oil field, or we go back to the grocery store, or we go back to where it is, the gas plant, or we go back to where, that we decide right now, Monday, I'm going to serve God. We wake up Tuesday, we say, Tuesday, I resolve that I'm going to serve God today, no matter what comes my way. It really reminds me of the scripture, and I, I hope this is in your notes. If not, you can scribble it down, write it down really quick, but it's Psalm 101.3. And Psalm 101.3 says this, I will not set before my eyes anything worthless. I will not set before my eyes anything worthless. But so here is Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And, you know, and, and at the end there of chapter 1, you know, they're, they're, in, they're wanted to uh, partake of the king's food and the king's drink. And that was really a symbolism of defilement, being defiled by the culture. And they really laid it on the line to say, you know what, Daniel said, test me in this, test me. He said, let us eat what we want to eat, this vegetable and water for 10 days, and let's see who looks better. And so with that stand, Daniel went against the culture of Babylon and took a stand. And it's not so much different for us today. One of the scriptures we looked at was Romans 12 and 2. Do not be conformed to this world. I, you know, I want you to repeat after me. Are you ready? Do not be conformed to this world. We're going to try it again because some of you are great ventriloquists. Are you ready? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Let the Holy Spirit do that work in your heart and your mind. Do not conform in the pattern of what we see going on in this world. 
And so what I want to do now is pick up in Daniel chapter 2. I really like Daniel chapter 2. And we're going to be looking at a lot of scripture this morning. Don't worry, I got my timer going. So we're all good. Daniel chapter 2. I want to begin in reading those first three verses. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. And notice it's plural, dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king demanded that magicians and enchanters and sorcerers and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. Notice it doesn't say interpret his dreams, but tell him his dreams. So they came and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Now, if you didn't know this, every, everybody dreams. Everybody dreams. I'm one of those that I used, I mean, I used to never remember my dreams. But even though if you don't remember your dreams, they say that we still dream like five times a night. Um, here recently, the last few months, I've, I've been on um, melatonin um, before I go to bed at night. And I'm really thinking that's doing something weird to me because I have some weird dreams, y'all. I mean, the most vivid, weird, I've never remembered my dreams. And I wake up every morning like, that was a weird one. I mean, I, I, sometimes I'm like, oh, do I need to call somebody that needs to interpret dreams? I mean, I, some, just some weird stuff. I mean, nothing like freaky or anything like that, but just some weird things. I'm like, maybe that's got meaning. I don't know. I have a sister-in-law who has a lot, and the Lord speaks to her through dreams. And, and she has seen many of her dreams that come fruition, and she's really learned to use her dreams as a point of intercession. And she'll dream about you, and, and, and she'll pray for you. And that's and that's awesome. And so some theologians believe that he was having these dreams. Nebuchadnezzar was having these dreams, but he was not remembering fully his dreams. And so that's why it was so important to him for these enchanters and magicians and people to tell him his dreams. Now, we don't know that for sure, but it kind of makes sense. And he's like, you need to tell me what I'm dreaming. But one thing is for sure is it tells us in the scripture in two different places, verse 1 and verse 3, that he was troubled by his dreams. And that troubled in the Hebrew has a very specific meaning. And I'm not going to dare to try to pronounce a Hebrew word, but I can tell you exactly what it means is that his spirit was being pounded. That's what that troubled means. It's not like he was upset a little bit or had a little bit of anxiety, but those dreams, it was a, a pounding, and he was, I mean, he was really vexed. It was really messing him up. And so that really brings me to my first point is this, an unknown future can trouble us. Has anybody ever experienced that? Is, is there anybody in the house that you can be worried or anxious about a situation and Play out the whole situation in your head that hasn't happened yet. And by the time you get to the end of all that playing out in your head, you're a mess. Anybody? So a few of you are being honest. I mean, we have arguments and conversations and the whole thing happening out in our head. And then before we ever meet up with that person, we're like, I hate you. They're like, what? I didn't do anything. Yeah, but I played it all out in my head. An unknown future can trouble us. It can bring anxiety, worry, sleeplessness, feeling nervous, edgy, the feeling of impending doom, feeling weak and tired. Times when I'm under large amounts of stress. I, 
it impacts my sleep. I, I, I know I can't speak for you, but I, man, when it feels like the weight of the world is on me, I don't sleep very well. I don't get a lot of rest. Usually it's on Sunday night, and I'm, you know, watching something on Hulu. But King Nebuchadnezzar was bothered about a dream. The king commanded to have all these magicians, enchanters, and sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to come tell him his dreams. And we pick up in verse 4. And so, listen to me. An unknown future can trouble us, but our peace is not based on an absence of difficulties. I'm going to say that again. I know that's a, that's a thought to process, isn't it? You as a believer, we, we don't, to, to qualify for peace to happen in our life, we can't wait to have peace to be without problems. We're always going to have junk going on in our life, but yet as a believer, we are promised that in the middle of that moment, you, we can have peace. I mean, there are things that are attacker peace. This is in your notes, and you'll see on the screen. It's circumstances, problems, and people. Circum- those you know, have-tos, the stresses, the need-tos, the honey-dos, the to-dos. I mean, what, you know, this, this is circumstances of life or problems. Maybe it's with marriage or money or family or, or job. Or, I mean, whatever battle. I mean, all these things attack our peace. People, dealing with people can attack our peace. Our peace is not based on the absence of difficulties. In the middle of the difficulties, you can have peace as a believer. But the enemy, he's going to try everything he can to rob that peace from you. He's going to use circumstances and problems and people to rob peace from you. But listen, the Bible says, I mean, I... we. You talk about I don't have it in my notes. I just like I refuse to write this verse down and to use it in the sermon because I always use this verse and I'm going to use it anyway. The peace that surpasses all understanding. He can give you a peace when it makes no sense to have peace, and it talks about how that will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He will build a barrier and protection around you that even though the storm rages around you, you're in the eye of that storm in peace. It's only something God can do. Peace is the confidence that God can. Peace is the confidence that God can, and God can. God can do anything. Are you with me this morning? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Verse 5. This is Philippians 4, 4 through 6. Let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Listen, do not be anxious about anything. Y'all remember this verse, right? But in everything, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so when the worry hits, this is the pattern. Worship, pray, worship. When anxiety hits, worship. Pray, worship. When the pressure hits, worship, pray, worship. When the hurt happens, worship, pray, worship. When the unknown is unknown, worship, pray, worship. When the fear tempts you, worship, pray, worship. When the past beckons, worship, 
pray, worship. When the confusion clouds, worship, pray, worship. When the trial extends, worship, pray, worship. When the month outlasts the paycheck, worship, pray, worship. When the temptation arises, worship, pray, worship. When the night is dark, worship, pray, worship. When the struggle is real, worship, pray, worship. When the diagnosis is given, worship, pray, worship. I mean, that's what Philippians 4, 4 through 6 is telling us. Don't be given in to that trouble, that anxiety, that those so many things that are unknown. But worship and pray and worship. Here's the second thing, is that God knows everything. I know that's extremely simple and it's something we should all know anyway. But that God knows everything, that God is omniscient. And I want to pick up in verse 15. And so, in verse 15, he de- this is Daniel talking. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? And just kind of fill in the blank just a little bit. I mean, the king, he met with these magicians and enchanters, the Chaldeans and all these people. And he said, okay, you're going to tell me my dream. If you don't tell me my dream and what it means, I'm going to rip you from limb to limb. And I'm going to rip your house down. And they're like, but, but king, you know what? You know, give us a chance. Tell us what you dreamed. And he tells you, no, I'm, I'm being dead serious. You're going to tell me my dream and what it means. Or I'm going to rip you limb from limb. I'm going to destroy your house. And we pick up in verse 15. Obviously, um, uh, Daniel wasn't in um, with that group because he hears it later. But he says, why is the king so urgent? And then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in to the king and requested This is verse 16, directly to the king to appoint a time that he might show the interpretation of the king. Verse 17, then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Just a reminder, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his companions. And listen, verse 18, he told them to seek mercy from God, the God of heaven, concerning this mystery. So that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men. And so it's not like Daniel got the answer first and then went to the king. He went to the king and said, okay, I'm going to tell you what all this means. Just give me up on a time. I mean, what Daniel knows, if we haven't learned it yet from, I mean, what he's writing to us in the first chapter and coming into chapter 2, is that God knows everything, he's omniscient, that God is sovereign, God reigns above everything, over everything, that God sovereignly reigns, there's nobody tells God what to do, God is the one that puts everything, the action and and into motion. God is not taken by surprise, he's not caught off guard by anything that happens, that God is all-knowing, and so Daniel knows all of this. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us one of the verses we look at quite often, again, kind of like uh, the one in Philippians, but it's Psalm 139. It says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. Nobody knows you like God knows you. Did you know God? God knows you better than you know you. You know when I sit down. You know when I rise up. You may discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, God, behold, 
You know it all together. God knows everything, and he knows everything about you. Listen, there's many times in life that we go through life that we think nobody can understand what we are going through. And even if that were a true statement, it's not true concerning God. God knows what you're facing. God knows what you're going through. And that should be a strength and a comfort to us that God, he knows. The Bible says Matthew, kind of a long passage, but I want to read it this morning. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. It's a good reminder for us. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body. I, I really take that to heart. What you'll put on is not life more than food, more the body, more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor weep nor gather in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Verse 27, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan? And while you're anxious about clothing, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, and they neither toll nor spin. Verse 29, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you with little faith? Therefore, do not be, this is the third time we're seeing this, do not be anxious about anything. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God, there's the key, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And then it gives us some of the greatest advice we could ever read outside of Proverbs. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. For sufficient is the day for trouble today. We, we got enough on our plate today than to even worry about tomorrow. But I'm going to tell you, God is in control. God is in control. The second thing is that God loves you. God is sovereign. God knows everything. God is in control. And that God that is all-knowing, all-powerful, and ever-present loves you. His love for you is not based on how much you do right or how much you do wrong, because God is love. That's who He is. And God wants what's best for you. The third thing is this, God wants you to know about the future. And so we, here we have Daniel, God wants you to know about the future. We Here we have Daniel, and so Nebuchadnezzar is having this dream. You know, he tells these enchanters and magicians and Chaldeans and all these people, tell me my dream or I'm going to rip you limb from limb. Daniel hears about it. Well, you know what? I don't know the answer yet, but I think God's going to give it to me. So just give me some time and you know, I'll tell you what the, the dream is. And so we pick up in verse 26. And I, there's four verses here I want us to read through. Daniel chapter 2, verse 22 through, I mean 26 through 30. The king declared to Daniel whose name is Belshazzar, you are able to make known to me the dream that I have seen its interpretation. Verse 27, Daniel answered the king and said, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, follow along, this is important. Verse 27, Daniel answered the king and said, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, astrologers can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. I mean, Daniel's saying, 
What you're asking for is impossible for all these men to tell you. You've got to remember, Nebuchadnezzar is a heathen king. That's important to remember right now. Verse 28, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. Verse 29, to you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this, and who reveals mysteries made known to you what is you, to you to be? Verse 30, but as for me, the mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Scripture is full of God tipping his hand, so to speak. If you can forgive that, you know, showing his cards a little bit. Listen, God wants you to know the future. He does. Now, not granted, I mean, the Bible says that we look through a glass dimly. I mean, if, we, if any of us knew the exact details of all of our life, whether good and bad, I'm going to tell you our anxiety level could not handle it. So God knows how much we can handle and we can take in, but God still wants us to know. I mean, when you're looking at even Scripture, when you're looking at the Bible, over 20, almost 30% of it is prophecy, is prophecy. We just went through the sermon series of the returning king, and one of the Scriptures is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13 where Paul writes, but I do not want you to be uninformed. I do not want you to be ignorant about these things that are going to happen in the future. God wants you to know the direction things are going. Why does God want you to know? Because it will give you peace. The Bible says in John 16, 12, which is one of my favorite promises right here. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, this is the Holy Spirit, He will guide you into all truth. What do we know is the importance about truth? Truth sets us free, right? John 8.32 and John 8.36. For He will not speak on His own authority, the Holy Spirit will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak and He will declare it to you. Look what it says, the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father is is mine. Therefore, I said, he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. See, why, why does the Lord work this way? It's, it's very simple. And I didn't even give you a fill in the blank of this because I want you to, to catch it. Bible prophecy is not a good guess. It's good news to a guessing world. When you look at Scripture, when you look at what's laid out before us in the Bible, when, when God speaks to us in a, in a prophetic manner, whether it be about revelations and, and the rapture and the tribulation and, and all those things, like some of those things we talked about, whenever God makes that stuff known, it's to equip you, it's to be able to equip you 
that you can make the most of every opportunity, that you can be the one that speaks peace and strength and life in the people's lives. Are you following me this morning? The reason why, and I do, and I think it's not just about prophetic things like in the end times that God reveals to us. I believe in John 16, 13, it says the Holy Spirit will show us the things that are yet to come. God can give you direction in your life. You don't have to live life directionless. If you depend upon the leading of the Holy Spirit, whenever you face that fork in the road, you don't have to be taken back full of anxiety the Holy Spirit can tell you which way to go. Are you awake? Are you okay this morning? Bible prophecy is not about just a, a good guess. It's about good news to a guessing world. The, uh, the other thing is this. This is the last thing. The future makes God known to us. The future makes God... You know, there is no other anything... And I say this very hesitantly to label things scripture other than scripture but there is no other what would be considered a holy writing that is as accurate as what scripture is to us not the quran not not confucius not taoism not not anything else and we can base that simply on scriptures we read of prophecies that have come to pass I mean, we've talked about this so many times, and I probably will again coming in December, but about the prophecies of Christ's birth and His life, of the odds of things like that coming to pass. There, there is no odds that could qualify the 300 prophecies in Scripture, and most of them, except what's happening completely in times, have come to pass. There's no other writing that can claim that. Are you with me this morning? So the future makes God known to us. So look what happens. We're skipping down to verse 20, 45 in Daniel 2. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from the mountain by no human hand, and it broke in pieces of iron, the pieces of iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, the gold, a great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. I mean, I'm not getting into all the interpretation and all that in this sermon. but And so, the dream is certain. Its interpretation is sure. The dream is certain. The interpretation is sure. I mean, Daniel's saying, God has revealed your dream to me and what it means. And this is a sure thing. Verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that offering and incense be offered to him. Remember, this is a heathen king. I reminded you of that earlier. Verse 47, the king answered and said to Daniel, truly, your God is the God of gods. Come on, that should have gotten somebody a little more excited. Here's a heathen king. Because he, the dream, the the, the future makes God known to us. And Daniel says, I've got the words for you, king. And here it is. And upon hearing it, the king answered to Daniel, Your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords and the king of kings and the revealer of minis, min, uh, mysteries. For you have been able to reveal this mystery. It reminded me of a verse in the New Testament of John chapter 14 and verse 29. And now I have told you before 
it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. Jesus is saying, here's my teaching. I'm telling you all these things, and I'm telling you all these things because when it comes to pass, it's going to help your belief. The Bible is the only writings that contain these detailed prophecies that are being fulfilled. And God is saying, listen, if I've got the future, if I know everything that's going on tomorrow and the next day, if I have everything under control that's happening seven years from now or 14 years from now or however long the Lord tarries, I want you to know if I've got the knowledge and the power and the strength to take care of seven years down the road, I can take care of you now. I can take care. I've got that strength. Yet we live life so many times of trying to handle it and control it ourselves. Man, that'll do nothing but drive you to the loony bin, man. It'll rob sleep from you. It'll rob joy from you. It'll rob happiness from you. It'll rob everything from you. But if you'll just commit it, if, we, if I will just commit it into the hands of the Lord... He's got the wisdom, the power, the hand to take care of it all. To take care of it all. I want to close this morning with just this thought. I, it's an interesting verse. And there's some, you know, that kind of take this a place really doesn't mean. And I'm not going to read the whole verse. But in Revelations chapter 19 and verse 10, I just want to read the last sentence because it's such an interesting sentence. It's just an interesting few words. In Revelations chapter 19 and verse 10, the very last sentence, it says this, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I mean, I, I, I have actually, I, I've, I'm not here, but I've, I've preached an entire sermon just on that sentence but I want you to know something this morning what happened with Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar can happen with us and those around us today I mean what scripture is saying all that has happened when you look at the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation with everything that is in spoken it has been a witness about Jesus and that means when you look at the stories of the good, the bad, the ugly, everything that, everything that where Scripture points is to that of Jesus. And when we as believers, when we understand that even though that we may live in a godless culture that surrounds us, we can stand on a chief cornerstone in complete peace. And as we stand in that place of peace, it's going to be a witness. It's going to be a testimony. It's going to be a prophetic, true word to those around us of the power that's in Jesus. Are you following me this morning? Listen, I know when I, I think of King Nebuchadnezzar, and that, that's really just my jumping off point of that he was troubled. I mean, there was something happening that was pounding at him. And if, I, I'm not saying that you're, you know, you're a godless king. If you're in that situation, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, is that if that anxiety, that stress, that the unknown is messing with you, 
I just really believe this morning. The Holy Spirit wants you to know, I got this. I got you. I want you to ask you to stand this morning. Thank you once again for joining us for our podcast. If you want more information about us, just find us on the web at odessafirst.com or any of the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Again, thank you for joining us, and I pray that the Lord richly bless you.